0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenbloom. There was a keg stand. I lost to an eighty-one-year-old lady. She got off the floor, <laughs> and then, and, but I was—it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Like, God, like shot. Channel Two News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my
0: wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm gonna dunk his ass. They suck. So you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything
1: right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show. And I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk.
0: It's Saturday Suckage on the score.
1: We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage. Could it be anything but? Let's take roll, find out who's here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta
0: This sucks, really, it does.
1: Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez.
0: Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys are a Hey, when when I got traded the next day, oh welcome to the sock team.
1: Toby Oh my god, this sucks. Random Bears fan. At the we suck. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks.
0: I wouldn't say seeking perfection. It's just mainly trying not to suck.
1: Julie Swica. Man, that sucked. Wilson Contreras.
0: Losing suck. I'll tell you that, and, and that's all I can say.
1: George Went. We had fun, uh, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Tear it off, man! Get it off! It sucked! Steve Dahl. Deal score sucks! Deal sucks! Cesar Perez. Hello there, sir. Hello there. Cesar, you ready to go? You ready to do this thing?
0: I'm ready to do it. Hopefully better uh, afternoon than morning, yes.
1: Yes, well, it has to be. This is Saturday suckage. We suck so nobody else has to. It's just we were on too late. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you. By your local Hyundai dealers. Our tech zone. Tech zone number is 312-644-6767. Brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. You just text us there. You can vent. You can do all that White Sox hate that you want. So let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Tony LeBevington. He's allowed to make decisions. He's Paid to make decisions. Guys who make decisions get fired for making bad decisions, for dumb decisions. And it seems as though there's a mat-nagginess to what the interim White Sox manager does. Managing the players who are there, managing the pitchers who are there, managing the game that's there seems to be unaware of what's happening in front of him with his own players. And then when asked about it, you get the condescending or righteously indignant answers. And I can't figure out righteous indignation. Is that the first sound of of someone who's failed? Or is it the last act of someone like that? The... Interim Sox manager had this to say when asked about leaving Lucas Giolito in the game yesterday.
2: The process of watching Lucas and... So did he get the first two outs out? Right.
1: right. Did he pitch a hell of a game? Absolutely. Yeah. So he gets a big, gives a base hit, tough walk on
2: 3-2, and you make, I make a decision that he's, he'd earned, he's earned the right to get that last out. He got him out the first
1: time, second time at home run. That's the process. He's the guy that I thought... Earned it right to get that out, and I was confident he would. Okay, the interim Sox manager made two decisions. One on Giolito, one on Joe Kelly. Both are wrong, both avoidable. Both the kind, the Sox, or at least the chairman of the Sox, the guy who hired this Sox manager and gelded his general manager in the meantime, they felt that wouldn't happen when not Ricky Renteria was in the dugout. But yet, here we are. So the interim Sox manager last night left in Giolito. Despite numbers and command, you know, screaming no. Giolito's slugging percentage with two outs is 5.05. That's higher than at any point in an inning so far this year. His OBS with two outs is 8.60. Again, higher than at any point in an inning. You know, for a guy who couldn't scream loud enough and long enough about Trey Turner's batting average with two strikes, the interim Sox manager doesn't seem to realize how much worse Giolito is with two outs. And, of course, there's the Giolito through the lineup the third time. That has a <clears throat> OPS of 1,075. And you heard him say it was the pitcher's... something like it was the pitcher's inning. He'd earned that right. He'd, he'd earned it. Well, it's not a pitcher's game. It is a team game. The team being the White Sox. That's the team in question. It's a team sport. This is not a Giolito showcase. Not a Lance Lynn showcase. And then when you try to patch it together... When you bring in Joe Kelly, there's a guy who also should have earned the right to pitch in high-leverage spots, not get those high-leverage spots because money says so. Kelly had an ERA of 12.27 in his last four outings. That was before coming in Friday and giving up whatever the Tigers needed. The Tigers are managed by the guy that the gilded Rick Hahn apparently wanted to manage the team before the chairman stepped in and hired the guy who is currently the interim manager. So you're managing the team that's there, managing the players who are there, managing to underscore failure in the dugout, the clubhouse, the front office, and the ridiculous owner suite. That's where we are with the White Sox. That's where... You are with the White Sox as a White Sox fan. It's remarkable. I want to go back. We went back to Friday, and you saw how the manager who's paid to make decisions, and I'm all for the manager, interim or otherwise, making decisions. He's supposed to make decisions that are not Ricky Renteria decisions. You're supposed to be right. The players bear responsibility. Lucas Giolito, by and large, can't get out of an inning the third time around and after six innings. He's just not doing it. Tony La Russa wants to try to empower his pitchers, give it to them. Old school baseball, despite what new school numbers tell you, what are you watching? What are you hewing to? What are you adhering to? And when when you're hired by the chairman, When your GM has been neutered, when it's this way, my way, the highway, and I'm going to be condescending and I'm going to be righteously indignant, I get to do what I want because nothing's going to happen to me. I have the the Kevlar chairman sitting up there in the owner's suite. This is what you get. So I want you to go back about a month ago. This is when people might have still believed in the Sox. In fact, a lot of people did. They they were surviving injury, surviving some idiot managing, surviving some bad roster construction. Okay, remember remember back then, it was noted by our guy Jay Kuda, starting on June 10th, the White Sox had the easiest remaining schedule in all of Major League Baseball. Do you, do you remember that? Much was said of that. Much was said of that on these airwaves by people associated with the White Sox and those commenting on them since June 10th when the White Sox began a stretch of the rest of the season with the easiest remaining schedule in all of major league baseball the interim White Sox manager's team has gone 12 and 14 12 and 14 against a cupcake schedule it leaves them with a 39 to 43 record this morning That's worse than the Orioles, who have given up baseball for the moment. The Orioles now lead the White Sox in the wild card race. The Sox remain in third place. They've added a game to their deficit a month into this easiest remaining schedule. They're now six games behind a Twins team that, you know, they seem to address their needs, those Twins. What a... What a crafty way to go about baseball. They seem to address their their needs with a roster that seems to care enough to play smart, good baseball on offense, good baseball defensively. Perhaps their manager insists on it, none of which seems to be the case on the south side. And just to rub it in, make you even angrier, just to blow up our Text online, 312-644-6767. The last day the World Series or bust White Sox were in first place in baseball's weakest division was April 20th. That's almost three months ago. That also came after the only winning homestand the White Sox have had all season. And today, they are on the verge of tying their mark for the most games under 500, this World Series or bust team. That's where you are, that's where we are, and when they play the Detroit Tigers, managed by A.J. Hinch, the man Rick Hahn seemingly wanted, and not the guy he got, not the guy who's forced him to place his... Decision making in a blind trust. Here's your White Sox lineup today. Leading off, shortstop Tim Anderson. Maybe he's learned to slide between last night and today. Your DH batting second, Andrew Vaughn. So he was barely healthy enough, barely healthy enough to bat pinch hit yesterday. We're not sure what's going on with him exactly, and he's DHing. Okay. Louis Robert batting third, playing center. Jose Abreu at first base, batting cleanup. Gavin Sheets in right field, batting fifth. Joan Moncada, wow. Batting sixth. Sebi Zavala batting seventh. Le'Uri Garcia batting eighth, playing left field. Josh Harrison batting ninth, playing second base. For the record, Le'Uri Garcia... The teacher's pet, the manager's pet, the White Sox are 20 and 32 when he starts. The good news is Johnny Cueto goes. Johnny Cueto has been here 20 minutes and has the team lead in quality starts. It's an amazing thing, thing what these, these players have done. It's an amazing thing what this manager has done. It's an amazing thing what the chairman has done and the roster construction. It's World Series or bust, and as you're looking at it now, a month into the league's easiest schedule since June 10th, they're two games under 500. they They've lost a game to the first-place team. They seem to be worse on the bases. They seem to be worse defensively. They seem to be worse when it comes to getting their offense going. So this is quite the epic failure by a franchise, top to bottom, organizationally your 2022 White Sox ladies and gentlemen that's why Saturday Suckage exists you can vent we're trying to we are trying to suck so they don't have to but this is all world stuff this is the most unfortunate thing your Chicago White Sox I'm Steve Rosenblum Saturday Suckage we'll talk to somebody take a break and talk to somebody who covers the White Sox, and see how much covering of his eyes he's doing. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. In the air to right field.
2: Castro back at the track. He makes the catch. And the Tigers, again, skate away with a walk-off chance for the Sox, going by the boards in the ninth.
0: Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
1: Jason Minetti. Chicago. And, and there you're talking about NBC Sports Chicago, talking about the, the White Sox failing again. Sounds like Saturday Suckage to me. Welcome in. Welcome back. We're going to go to the score hotline. Guests join us on the score hotline. It's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Joining me now. Covered the White Sox for 20 years, MLB.com. Scott Merkin, fresh off a Tony La Russa press conference, pregame stuff, all the news that's fit to print. So um, condescending or righteously indignant? or How was the manager, Scott, and what did he have to say?
2: Well, you know, first of all, starting 20 years, I've covered him. Mean, you knew me in, in my previous jobs. So I started at eight, age 18, of course. So let's let, let's get yeah, oh,
1: Let's put that out there. I, you know, to, to, I thought it was I thought it was sixteen, and you had a you had a work permit that mom had to sign. That's that's right.
2: Mom drove me back and forth to the uh, to, <laughs> to, to the newsroom, and that was it. No, no, he was uh, he was good. He's, he's I mean, I, I think one of the things that manifests itself sometimes in the post game when he you know looks like what you just said is I really do think he takes these losses so hard. And I, I get that no one really wants to hear it. They just want wins, right? They don't want to hear that he's upset about it or he, you know, views every day is such an important game, but I really do think, I mean, I you know, I watch him walking back and forth from his office and he just, you know, really is a different person first when they lose and when they win, now, I guess that could be said for everyone, right? No one, even in a 162 game seasons, you're going to lose what 60, 62 times even if you're a great team maybe not the Yankees this year, but I mean, I think that's what kind of, I think it's kind of like a transfer transferal of anger, you know, that he's kind of upset about the game and that kind of, that kind of shows through on some of those post games.
1: Well, I guess to Scott Merck and MLB.com talking White Sox here on the score, Steve Rosenblum and Saturday suckage. So Andrew Vaughn, I, I get, he can D he's healthy enough to DH for whatever number of at bats, but Eloy Jimenez isn't. So explain that lineup. Or what did what, what did the manager say about the lineup he has today against the Tigers?
2: Well, he did. You know, he's he's pretty clear with us on this. That Vaughn, he said, was not was under the weather. He did. That's all. That's all he gave us was that he wasn't feeling well. But he did say yesterday that he was. You know, avail. He was in uniform and available to, available to pinch hit last night, which he did in the eighth as the go ahead run. And you know, uh, Alexander struck him out. And today, you know, this is one of those days they were going to give a rest to Jimenez. You know, he just came back, and they just weren't going to play him, you know, every single day. Obviously, there's got to be a little bit of a break here and there. So the day game after the night game was a good idea in that sense. So, you know, I'm sure he'll be available to pinch hit today, but he's just not starting.
1: Johnny Cueto's been here 20 minutes, and he has the most quality starts of any Sox pitcher. It's just—it's an amazing thing. He is— he he seems to be the right guy to go today, and I don't know if there's there's any kind of advantage the Sox now have with him going, or if there's de- is he the right guy because this seems really desperate. You swept the Tigers in Detroit. Some people thought this would be the, the jump start, but the, the Sox have this Sox team has regularly just squatted all over the idea that anything could jumpstart them. And I don't know if there's, you know, a whiff of desperation. Do you sense it from these players Do that they're, or the manager or that there's something that, that they're letting an opportunity with this homestand, games against the Central, they are messing this up in a big way and that kind of panic and pressure tends to show in different ways. Or maybe you don't see it at all, Scott.
2: Well, I guess you kind of look at it as a cup half full, half empty, or has it spilled already? I guess right. That, that's a, I think it's an old Mike Royko line. But you know, I, the, the half empty is that yeah, they they need to start winning. They need to start winning at home, especially. This is a team that was seventy one and forty the last two seasons, which was the best home record in the AL over those two years. And I believe they're seventeen and twenty five this year. One of the reasons is they're not they're not hitting a lot of home runs at you know, at home. But I mean, there really isn't a, a set explanation on why that is. But you're right. You know, there's been a number of moments, including the, a, a very good series where they swept a, a decent San Francisco team over the weekend where people have pointed to, okay, this is the turning point, you know, and, and you pointed to that Detroit series where they swept Detroit and Moncada had five hits in his last game and, or in the last game of that series, they won, I think 13 to nothing or 13 to one or whatever it was. And it just hasn't, hasn't made, you know, that move to the next level. Now on the flip side, you know, they're struggling, but there is now one team over 500 in the entire AL Central, and that's the Minnesota Twins. So you can say, yeah, geez, if they would have, you know, been decent at home, they'd be either right there, you know, with the Twins for first place or in first place. But on the flip side, you can say, okay, you know, they're not playing good baseball overall. You know, I mean, they're 39 and 43, I believe. So they still have 80 games left, and they're, you know, they're six behind the Twins. They finished the season with six of nine games against the Twins it sounds like an excuse, but it it really isn't. I mean, it really is the fact that, you know, they're not chasing the Yankees who are 34 games or 35 games over 500. They're chasing the twins who are, you know, six games ahead of them. And they get the guardians for four next week in Cleveland and then four against the twins. So I think, I think we'll know a little bit more at the all-star break. And then they have four more against Cleveland right after the all-star break. So by that point, which will be, you know, coming close to the August 2nd trade deadline, you have a little bit better idea of where they stand.
1: Scott Market is my guest, MLB.com. He covers the White Sox. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. So after they lost 2-1 to one, uh, on Thursday, the um, quote from A.J. Pollock was, honestly, it's hard to explain. It's not really our job to explain it. We've got to go out there and we've got to fix stuff. You hope that it turns. We had a good day Wednesday and it feels like a letdown today. you just got to keep working. So in NBC Sports Chicago Frank Thomas talked about a team that players, I'm sorry, a clubhouse too lovey-dovey with each other. They love each other, but they don't challenge each other, which is a pretty interesting take from a guy who was regularly the target of, you know, Ozzy Gian or Paul Canerco and and that kind of coming from a guy like that. Do you agree that this these players are not challenging themselves? Do you see anything that tells you one way or another?
2: No, I mean, did that change from last year where they were, you know, 90? Now, granted, the roster is a little different from last year, but, I mean, they were 93-69 and last year and won the division going away. You know, they basically clinched that thing in, like, August. Not officially, but they did. So, I I don't know. I I just think, you know, there's also, you know, I hear a lot about um, how – they lack energy. They don't look like, you know, they're, they're playing hard, which is not true. And I think that's just what happens when you're not hitting consistently. You know, yesterday they start the game against Google, who's a very good pitcher, very talented pitcher. They get the, you know, the two run 445 foot home run from Luis Robert, and then don't score again until the eighth inning, you know? So, and then because of that, Detroit comes back, there's a couple of misplays in the field. They, you know, they rally and they, they take the big lead. They're up seven to two. But I think that's just what happens when you're not getting consistent offensive production from a lineup that is very talented and should do that. You know, and another thing that sounds a little like, any, well, it sounds like an excuse, but again, it's fact, is that they've had a lot of guys hurt. You know, Jimenez is back now, Grandall homered last night in his injury rehab at Birmingham. So you're getting these guys healthy. But, you know, again, eventually, you know, it's not going to be early. Eventually, they're not going to be hurt. And Eventually, they're just going to have to go out and win consistently to take charge of the, if they want to take charge of the AL Central.
1: Well, it's the only division they can take charge of. So I would exactly. suggest yeah. they well, do the, that. You know,
2: they can still chase down one of those wild cards, too, I suppose. And, you know, a team like Toronto is suddenly... I mean, there, there's a lot of options there, but the bottom line is you got to, you know, just play more consistently and win, right, to, to fulfill any of the options.
1: Put yourself in position to do that. One way to do that, we saw... We've seen opponents make phenomenal defensive plays against the White Sox. We've seen the White Sox have trouble defensively, and now even Louis Robert, you're not sure. And and then on the bases, just some bonehead, that 8-5 triple, triple play, never happened in baseball before. And and here's what bothers me, is if the, the manager that the chairman insisted on hiring to the point of gelding the general manager was so good, why have they not gotten better defensively and on the bases in the thinking part of the game. Why hasn't he demanded that? But they've gotten worse. Which, true or not, it makes me think he just he doesn't care. He doesn't address it. Or he doesn't know how to address it. This is maddening. It's aggravating. It's on the players as much as it's on the manager. But somebody with authority has to say, has to do something about it. And yet it just keeps getting worse. It's maddening to see this kind of baseball being played so badly from a team that keeps saying world series or bust can you explain it do you know the, can you explain the dynamics involved
2: yeah i think you know i, I can explain what i know and i, I know they do address it. i know they worked hard on it in spring training and it's just not been a good year i mean you know let, let's face it they haven't been a dominant defensive team for a couple years but i think it's you know i hear a lot about uh, accountability and a guy makes a mistake or a mental mistake in the field, and you got to, you know, bench him or, you know, whatever. But number one, that doesn't make sense in, in practicality because your roster is not 50 people, you know, you have 26 man rosters. So, and number two, you want your best guys out there. So I, this stuff is all talked about. It's not like something happens and, you know, they let the guys, you know, they pat them on the back and say, go get them next time. It's addressed. It's addressed, you know, in the dugout, it's addressed in the clubhouse. And guys want to be better. Guys want to make the plays and want to, you know, not make the mistakes on the base It's just kind of happened that way this year. So again, I think it's on everyone, you know, from, you know, the front office right on down to the players, but this is not, you know, American Legion, right? This is not pony league. I mean, this is not an instructional thing. Sure. You know, they, they do, the coaches do work hard and You've heard some pitchers and, you know, position players talking about, you know, things they've done with the coaches to get back on track or to improve. So it's there and they do work with them, but ultimately it's on the players, right? They gotta make the play, they gotta, you know, make the right decision on the base pass, and that hasn't happened consistently enough for the White Sox this year.
1: Yeah, they have to put themselves in position to win. They have to put each other in a position. I mean, Frank's right about challenging Frank Thomas, when he said it the other night about challenging. Oh yeah, I, I would trust Frank. Frank
2: knows. Frank knows baseball. But I, but I do think it's there. I, I, you know, I think, and I'm not talking about Frank. I'm just talking about in general. From I, I get yeah. fans' consternation. Trust me, I understand that. But I do think it's there, and I don't think that the look that fans perceive sometimes is the accurate look. It's just the fact is, you know, when you don't hit, when you score two runs in the first and then don't score again until the, I mean. This crowd was crazy last night. It was, it was a pop like I haven't heard in a long time when Vaughn came out to pinch hit in that eighth inning. And it just goes to show you the excitement it brings when they get a consistent rally going, and they just haven't had enough of those this year.
1: You know, one of the things that they've had most more players thrown out at home plate than any team in the league. And, uh, you know, crazy Joe McEwing down there and, and the auto sends and everything that goes on with that. And the thing that you see them trying to be aggressive and they're trying to be aggressive. And yet they still have, they give off this vibe of being a dead team. It's more remarkable in the face of trying to do things like that, score that run to how can you be dead and still do that? And I I, trying to, you know, left brain, right brain kind of thing. It doesn't make, I can't connect the dots. I don't, and yet for them to be feel dead or the way it appears to me, do they appear that way to you? Does that does it seem like there's oh they tried to be aggressive, it didn't work, now they're back to being crappy. I, I don't know how to process this. You got any ideas, you got any help?
2: No, I mean I think I think Joe's a, a really good coach. I think Joe is a guy, if you ask Tim Anderson, who has really helped him get to the level where he's at. Tim's helped himself, obviously, quite a bit, but you know, Joe has worked extensively with Tim over the years too. I, I think you you gotta take the chances sometimes. You gotta, you know, judge the situation, judge the arms in the outfield and like we said, you know, when they're not hitting, be a little more aggressive. But, yeah, again, just going back, I would argue the no-energy team. The energy is there. It's just, you know, it's tough. It's tough when you're a team that's, you know, like you said, a lot of, you know, trying for a third straight playoff appearance, trying for a second straight division title, and you're sitting at 39-43 and 43 in third place, you know, closer to fourth place than you are first place right now. And that, that's a difficult situation. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be doing cartwheels over that, but the energy is there and the work is there. And just sometimes it doesn't look like that when you're, when you're losing and not, not hitting and making some mistakes on the field.
1: How do you size up their bullpen for me? How, how confident do you feel about it and why?
2: Well, you know, we asked Tony or I asked Tony yesterday about, you know, when Liam can go back to back. And I think that's this weekend. And that's a huge thing to have him set up. And I, you know, I think Joe Kelly, after his last injury had, is still, he talked to us the other night. It was against the game against Minnesota after the game against Minnesota where he said, you know, he's still kind of searching for his field, kind of searching for his mechanics. And I think he'll be fine once he gets that. So, I mean, you have Kelly Graveman and Hendricks down there. And then when you get bummer healthy, it's it's still a good group. You know, I I like that bullpen. I've liked that. They, They invested a lot of money in that bullpen. And it's because, you know, one of the reasons is the playoffs is a, is a bullpen-based game, right? You don't see a lot of starters going. I mean, you'll never see what happened in the 05 ALCS again where you had four straight complete yeah. games. You may not even see one complete game in the playoffs at this point. So it's important to have that group. But I, I think it's a deep and talented group. It's just, again, you got to get everyone healthy. And then you can get people in line as to what you what you need down there. And they've gotten contribute, contributions from other younger guys. Ruiz has been... Excuse me. Had a big inning the other day. Tanner Banks has been good since he came up, and uh, you know Jimmy Lambert's done a nice job. So I, I think they have a good mix down there. I really do like that bullpen.
1: Joe Kelly has to stop sucking. You can't have a thirteen point five ERA in your last five outings. County last night. Tony brought him in like he was going to be the answer. When he had a twelve point two seven ERA in the previous four games. It's just you can't do that. And I think for our purposes in the media, we need Joe Kelly to be good because he's wonderful, quotable. He is, yes. Same with Liam Hendricks, be good, be wonderful. We we root for quotes. We root for quotable guys, we root for stories. We need those guys not to suck, right?
2: A lot a lot of good quotable. Like you know, one of the guys in the team who does an interview interviews through an, an interpreter Billy Russo, who does a great job here. Jose Abreu, tremendous quote, tremendous quote. And even even with the interpreter, you always get the feel of what he's saying. And there's a lot of really good quotes, but you're right. Hendricks and Kelly are up near the top of that list. And, yes, I'm sure people who are listening out there are kind of like, yeah, we really don't care who's a good quote. We just want him to play well and, and win games. But for our purpose, you're right. Excellent quotes are, are, are good to be at the forefront.
1: I'm looking for some salve when they suck. And I think good quotes are at least – entertain me before the it starts bleeding again. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm, <laughs> I realize I'm grasping at straws, but that's where I am. Scott, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks.
2: Sure, Steve. Take care.
1: All right. Scott Merkin, MLB.com. Cover the White Sox for 20 years. That's a painful thing. That's a painful thing this year. I'm going to take a break. Um, when I come back, I have something for you. I have something that should happen but won't. Now, that sounds like I'm describing Tony LeBevington's firing, but I'm not. I had an interest, I found an interesting idea, and I'll run it by you. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
1: Dang right. Welcome in, welcome back. You are listening to The Score. And we wanted to invite you to the score's 30th anniversary live broadcast on July 20th at Real Time Sports in Elk Grove Village. The all-day event will be a great celebration with listeners, current and former teammates, clients, and hopefully all of you, all you fans out there, all you listeners, texters, callers, lurkers, whatever you are. This is the score's 30th anniversary live broadcast, 6A to 6P. Is that right, Caesar? Six in the morning till six at night? Is that how it's going to work?
0: Yep, all day. So We're going to be there 20th. all day on the 20th.
1: There you go. There you go. That's the score. 30th. 30 years of talking sports and being real with you. Live broadcast, July 20th. Real-time sports in Elk Grove Village. So it's a celebration. Come join the celebration, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, for, also for fans, I came across this. Dan Neiman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had a modest, what he called a modest proposal for a more fair and equitable form of dynamic pricing. Now, it goes by many names, dynamic pricing, variable pricing. In other terms, it's <clears throat> jacking up the price of the good games or the good days. So if you want to see a game on Saturday, say in the White Sox case, all the teams do this, White Sox case, well, the A's aren't really good, but they're playing on a Friday, so we're going to jack up. That's a more expensive ticket. But if it's the Orioles and it's Tuesday, you can get in cheaper. Cubs started doing this. Hey, you want to come here? June, July, August? They're all big prices. Weekends, especially big prices. You know, the Hawks do this, too. You want to see Detroit? Well, you Red Wings fans are going to come down back when they used to do that. You're going to pay more money and buy up all the seats in the United Center. So all these teams do it. Variable pricing, dynamic pricing, premium pricing. It goes by different names. Dan Neiman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had an idea that I think you fans will love. I would like to hear if you don't, because this would be real remarkable. He said, I think pricing should be determined by the game's outcome." You pay as you leave the stadium. Now, that's my idea of variable pricing. You pay for the entertainment value. Because when you pay a premium price, when teams set a premium price, it's Sox-Tigers Saturday in July. That's a division game. And they're doing this before we know who's going to suck and who's not. And... You're making a bet. You're making a bet that the weather will be good enough to attend. You're making a bet that your team is going to be good enough to make this game matter. You're making a bet way ahead of time that this is going to be a good game. Would you have done that last night? Wouldn't you have wanted some money back last night? I love this idea that you pay on the way out. What was it worth? And I I know there's a lot of details there. I know there's a lot of a lot of problems with assessing something as subjective as what's good what's not what's entertainment what's not it's the 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 qualitative and quantitative are are different parts of this and i get that but i love the idea of teams for you pay you pay x number of dollars to get, or you get in, and you're you you're you're on the hook for twenty bucks, whatever that seat is.
0: Hey Steve, All one right, of our texters uh, checking in from eight one five. He says, "How about paying based on winning percentage? I like that one. Uh, how about you pay that day on how good the team is doing at that present time? Doesn't that sound pretty good too?" Now,
1: that's a thought, Caesar. That's a thought, which speaks to which speaks to what you're um. What you're looking for, you want to get entertainment. Winning is part of the entertainment, but as the A47 texture points out, yesterday was still entertaining. Part of it was early on. I mean, the Sox suck in early innings. They 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 can't score. They're going to give up runs. They're awful early, and then they get a bunch of hits, but they can't score late. I mean, they're really the worst of all possible worlds, and the record for a World Series or bus team reflects it. So. It was, in a lot of ways, entertaining. And then your Hall of fame, your baseball manager, was managing, and he decided that the pitcher had earned the right to do this with two outs, even though he's bad with two outs, and he's bad the third time through the lineup. And the manager, who has weaponized metrics for what he wants, and when it's convenient, seems to ignore them when he gets his backside slapped. It's really... it's. Re- it's an embarrassing thing. And maybe you shouldn't have to pay for that much when the manager when the manager looks dumb. I mean th- think about that. if you if if it were the case that you only had to pay on the way out the value of the entertainment that you got, then the team would have to give you back money. So let's connect the dots. You pay 20 bucks. The socks only gave you by what was, whatever was described as $10 worth of entertainment. They lost. That's a big, under 500, like the texture said. Okay, well, they fall further under 500, so that costs them even more money. Team has to give you back money. Well, then where's the team going to get the money? Well, you're going to start docking players. You're going to start docking the manager. You're going to start docking the coaches. Hey, stupid base running. Who's your base running coaches? we're taking money out of your paycheck and the player, the guy who can't seem to run the base as well. I mean, you know, that eight, five, triple play, like all the socks involved in that play would have to give up a month's worth of checks. That's how bad it was.
0: You talk about players and wanting the, to play on winning teams. He put that in place and see how many people want to play on winning teams.
1: <laughs> right now. Yeah. Chairman Reinsdorf is a big proponent of pay for performance and I'm a big proponent of income for performance. Your franchise, your team sucks. And it's a franchise-wide suckage, Chairman Reinsdorf, from the owner's suite all the way down to the clubhouse, front office, the manager, players, and the owner. And so you should be giving money back. And the, the Cubs and Sox have, to a certain degree, I mean, I'm sorry, the Cubs and Hawks, the debauched hawks, the depraved hawks have cut certain prices. And then you can make statistics, say whatever you want. There are, There's a chance you could pay less money than before, but not nearly. If you're a hawks fan, first of all, I don't understand how you could be a hawks fan with such a sick, depraved organization. And a guy at the top of that organization who still doesn't understand why he's going to be asked about how sick and depraved they were in the, in the name of winning a Stanley Cup and then winning two and winning three. And he doesn't understand why he should get these questions asked. And it, it just shows that whatever steps the Hawks have taken did not stick, did not take. There's no credibility to whatever steps the Hawks have taken. It's really hard to be a Hawks fan. You have to be, I guess, sick and depraved to be a Hawks fan right now. And now they're going to be, they've gone out of their way to be bad they're gone out of their way to be the worst team in hockey or one of the three worst teams because next year you want one of the three top 3 picks where you can get a franchise player they've made sure they could run kane out of town taves really hasn't been much of a player for a couple years now so you're anything you pay for a hawks ticket right should be less than it's still too much so so you see a lot of this reflected in, in this secondary market. It's between weekdays, availability. Nobody wants to go. Fans aren't interested. Uh, Three one two texture. Five tickets in left center for the Sox cost me fifty four dollars total, and I imagine they will drop to four or five dollars a ticket soon. Right. That's it. that's one way that this market works. But I love the idea that you pay on the way out. The one of the one hammer a manager or coach has over players is playing time. And the one the, the lifeblood of a franchise is the number one rule in life follow the money. If money's going out, players will be forced to get better. You the 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 dithering White Sox front office that didn't want to address second base, didn't want to address left-handed hitting, didn't want to well, you didn't fill your holes. Well, then you should have to pay for that. Fans shouldn't have to pay for your failures. If you fail, you've provided a bad performance. You should not get money for that. You should be refunding money for miserable performances. So this idea from Dan Neiman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I just love that. 708 taxer asks an interesting question given the number of given the way certain fan bases travel, what would you charge someone wearing a tiger cap? He was quite entertained. Uh, he gets he gets to enjoy it. He shouldn't be enjoying it at the expense of the local team, but the fact that the local team especially if this guy was wearing a Javi Baez Tigers jersey, wouldn't that have been great? Here you get money back. You know what? You you've earned it. You know, on whatever today is, today's Friday. Javi is having himself a game. He's he's wanting it to rain down on him. You get money back, too, because the White Sox, as a courteous host, would say, I'm embarrassed. I don't and understand so all the uh,
0: all the hate for Javi, by the way, going on. And why the Sox fans, I, I really don't get it. What 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 is with that? Why is so much hate for Javi? I don't understand that.
1: I It doesn't have to make sense. I, I don't, it doesn't have to make sense. It just... It just is. It's like, well, he's a former Cub, so we must hate him. Oh, he's doing this stuff to us, so we must hate him. I don't know. The you know what? Amir Garrett. That's about it. And and that's that's who hates Javi. That's who should be booing, booing Javi. I don't. I don't know. You you know you pay your money. You can boo who you want, cheer who you want. Eight four seven texter says, in Brazil they have a similar type of payment at clubs. But that is to keep the employees from handling money. You pay for a punch card, and the employees punch out holes and amounts. You then settle up when you leave. Yeah, you're sort of running a tab. Okay? However you do that, I love the idea that when you suck, you have to give money back to the fan base. Because giving the fans a manager who's righteously indignant, who's weaponizing metrics, weaponizing the modern game for his own purpose and then completely ignoring metrics that tell you that Lucas Giolito sucks the third time through the lineup and sucks after, after he's seen after with two outs, his OPS sucks when there's two outs in an inning, the worst of, of, of any out situation. And you just ignore that. Oh, it's his inning. He's, he's a man. It's his inning. He's a pitcher. He's my guy. All right, it's just embarrassing. You should have to pay for that. All right, speaking of paying for it, we wonder what the bears are going to pay. We wonder if the bears are ever going to show up. They have become a criminal element. We're going to talk to Mark Potash of the Sun-Times about the bears, and Mark may have inadvertently created a revenue stream himself. Stream himself. As long as we're talking money, we'll talk money with Mark Potash. Because Mark Potash is money. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening to Saturday Suck at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?